Welcome to the Reformance Pipeline, your dose of empowerment and the pipeline to inform your decisions on how you can support change in our education system. Y'all know this by now, but this is Lindsay, affectionately known as Miss Black. And I'm Hadi Ha, Mr. Broussard. If you're feeling like feeling hot, Lindsay, the weather has been amazing, but not uh, feeling hot. Woo! Uh, and I'm serious, like. I haven't shown you this yet, but I feel like I've been getting a heat rash on different portions of my body. Yeah, so you don't need to show me that. I'm like, <laughs> there are boundaries so, here. That's not, that's not beyond the boundary. No, but, uh, <laughs> no, but I feel like I need to do a better job of applying sunscreen. Um, and just doing a better job yes. of taking care of myself. Because, because darker skinned people need sunscreen too. Amen. And yes, let's go ahead and forego that myth because people don't know that. And I actually had to tell somebody that the other day. And I had to tell somebody that on Saturday. For real? Yeah, looked at me. I was like, oh, I forgot to bring sunscreen. They're like, okay. <laughs> you know. So yeah, myth busted. Advocates, today we're highlighting mothers. This episode will drop one day after Mother's Day, and we are most excited because we're actually having our actual moms featured on this episode. Yay! I love Heidi's mom, y'all. Um, you know what I also love? What you love, Lens? Our Instagram page. Yes. Okay. Smooth <laughs> plug transition. It, plug it, plug it. Please go ahead and follow us on Instagram at the Reformance Pipeline. You have your phone out? Mm, okay, go follow it. And if you already follow the page, go ahead and send the page to somebody else. And there's one more thing that I have to mention, Lens. Our website is also live, y'all. So find us and all of our content at thereformancepipeline.com. There's still time to go back and make sure you are fully caught up on season one and provide us with any feedback that you may have. Check us out. And we are continuing with semester one of our current season. And we're talking about the ideal school, which has been a pretty popular conversation, I think, about feedback we're getting. Yes. We are just exploring different ways in which we can reimagine the ideal school. And before we go further, just want to catch y'all up a little bit on us. Um, some some things that positive things, good things. Really trying to really trying to think of them. Today's really been a day for me, y'all. I'm not even gonna lie. <laughs> it's been a day for me. Um, I know I mentioned a couple episodes back that my grandmother passed away, and I think last week was like the first week that I was back in the swing of my routine. Mm -hmm. uh, my mom had was staying with me. Um, for some time and then she was gone. So this is the first time I had to really like take care of myself and not mm -hmm. worry about taking care of others. And I'm like, oh damn, it's a lot of emotions that are coming up for me. So that happened today. Um, yeah, and it's so hard because I've been trying to ask somebody what the highlight of their week was or their day was so far. And they asked me and I was like, damn, I can't think of nothing. Hmm. I'm not usually in that space, but a rest in peace to my grandmother. I guess this is timely for the Mother's Day episode. Maybe that's what that's it is. Wow! 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 wow. wow. No, for real, wow. though. I just wow. processed Full it. Circle. I had no idea. I was like, why is it so, yeah, so much? Because it's almost Mother's Day. And we just were talking about how something may have been a retrograde, but like maybe that's really what it is. My it? life is just a retrograde. Yeah. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> no. What about you, Hadi? What that's about you? Good. So I just have to say that I'm super excited because. My graduation's coming up. Ooh, yes, an yes. actual positive thing. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. So I graduate on Thursday, and most of y'all probably don't know, but I actually did not get to have a ceremony. And so I was fortunate enough to be doing a virtual ceremony this upcoming Thursday. Yay! I'm super excited about it. And in addition to that, I'm also kind of going through a lot at work right now because we're closing an application cycle. And so just in case you did not know, Y'all are going to have to pray for me because we're closing this application cycle on Friday. Um, yes. But as you know, I'm still trying to lean into this new role and just grow. So that's it. We are actually skipping our segments, our regular segments for this week, because we just want to be able to truly highlight and have y'all listen to the mothers that we decided to feature on our episode. It's really going to be wonderful, one, because this idea just started with me and Hadi being like, how can we get our moms involved? So my mom has been on the show before, but Hadi's mom hasn't. So I'm really excited. I love Hadi's mom. Um, for the record, let me just pause real fast. Mm -hmm. We have not listened to these recordings before you're listening to them. So 
our reactions are going to be very genuine and authentic. We think it's going to be fun because yes, usually we're like super planned, but you know. Right. We're going with the flow today. What's the worst moms can say? Right. You know? We always are 10 steps ahead of the game. 10 steps. So exactly. I feel like we'll be good. We'll be all right. Yeah. So we have two, our two moms and then we have uh, another two moms of people that we are close to. One of them is actually a teacher. Um, and the other one actually has three three kids, um, more so in like the middle school, early college. You, you'll hear about it, um, but you'll get to hear about where they're from, who their kids are, and everything else about what it means to be a mother and think of the ideal school. My name is Ingrid Broussard. I attend a school in Inglewood, California. I have two kids, two handsome black young men. My name is Sonia Guillory. I grew up in Palo Alto, California, and I have two children who also grew up in Palo Alto, California. I have one boy who is 23 and one girl who is 27. Hi, my name is Brittany Richardson. My child and I both attend a school in Washington, D.C., and I have one daughter who's in kindergarten. Hi, my name's Toshiba Von Stitt. I'm located in Waldorf, Maryland. I was born and raised in Jamaica, so I went to what you guys call elementary, middle, and partial high school in St. Andrew, Jamaica. When I moved to the U.S., I lived in Hartford, Connecticut, so I finished my last two years at Weaver High School. I then moved to Maryland to attend the University of Maryland for undergrad. I have three children, two boys, and one girl. My boys are 12 and about to be 14 and my daughter is 19. My boys currently attend a school in Tacoma Park, Maryland. My 12-year-old is in the sixth grade and my 14-year-old is about to graduate middle school and we're currently looking for a high school for him to attend. My 19-year-old is upstate New York studying chemistry at a PWI. So that was a brief intro into the four beautiful mothers. And now we're going to jump into the next question. And the question is, as a parent, how involved are or were you with your child's education journey? Being involved with both my kids' education was a must. Being able to provide emotional and mental support at all times was a priority. As a parent, I was pretty involved in my kids' education. Uh, I you know, wanted to make sure I attended all of the parent-teacher conferences and all of the back-to-school nights um, and try to stay somewhat involved with their um, athletic activities um, and any sort of organizations that they were a part of. As a parent, I'm extremely involved in my daughter's educational journey. I believe that being an educator and a parent definitely puts me at an advantage. Um, as far as reinforcing skills she's learning in the classroom, um, knowing how to be that partner in her education that as teachers, we always want our parents to be. Um, for example, when COVID started and in pre-K four, she had to transition to virtual learning. Her teacher was able to send me lesson plans and I could teach those lessons in person for her as well. So I definitely feel like, you know, I'm in a favorable position to be able to support her um, in her education because I have this educational background. As a parent, I'm very involved in my children's educational journey. My children have never been to public school, so it takes a lot of time and effort to find the right fit private school for them. It also has to have a religious slash Christian aspect to the school. Um, my family are people of faith, and that's what we wanted our children to grow up knowing. That was beautiful. I think I'm, before I even really respond to them, I'm just so excited. <laughs> it's so nice. It's just really nice to hear, like, differing perspectives. And, of yeah. course, we're talking about the, the ideal school. Mm -hmm. And we got our parents who are speaking in, like, past tense, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, we got Brittany, Miss Richardson. That's one of my coworkers, y'all. See the sheet of bomb. Yeah. Um, but she's speaking directly from being a teacher mm. and having a kindergartner. 
Um, and then Toshiba, Toshiba is doing what needs to be done, yes, baby. Okay. Yes, she is. Because her perspective is also super unique, and I wouldn't even thought of that. You know. Yeah. We're, we're the podcasters, yes. so we have a general idea of where we think people are going to come from. But it's really, I just think we're going to get a ro- robust. Um, I was going to say envisionments. That's not a word. <laughs> I, we'll roll with it. But I Envisionments. Think, but like spectrum, yes. like a different, like a robust spectrum yes. of conversations and perspectives. And I think like just to add on to that, like my mom, she dabbled in it. But, and the thing I feel like my mom is, she was like really like practicing and <laughs> getting Love her thoughts together. But I think that a lot of like, I remember speaking, because your mom mentioned this too, is like, I remember my parents. Oh, when is parent teacher conference? Oh, like yes. what, what are your grades looking like? Like yes. consistently, okay? Yes. Honestly, it's to a point to where I used to hate it. But like <laughs> looking back and being in being an adult, as well as being an educator, you can look back and you, I appreciate those types of parents. And so it's yes. about trying to make sure that yes. those, that other parents have access to that um, and are able to do the same for their children. Mm-hmm. Ooh, all right, moving on to the next question. We always would partner to discuss all the different educational opportunities that is available at the time to finalize the institute that would most meet their educational needs. I chose my children's school by going to the Palo Alto Unified School District webpage um, and researching every elementary school in the district and checking their scores. Um, and I chose the school with the highest scores, um, and that's how I picked their school. Choosing the best school for my daughter definitely took a lot of research. Um, my family is really big on sending everyone to Catholic school, so I was the first person to pivot from that. Um, but I felt like public charter schools were a great alternative to paying for an education as you do with Catholic school because I feel like education is a right. Um, we should not have to pay for a good education. I also feel that they do a great job of bridging some of those um, disparities we see with traditional public schools. So I ended up sending her to this school called Apple Tree. They have a few campuses across D.C. Um, what I love about Apple Tree is that it's an early learning academy. So all of the teachers have um, early childhood degrees and they only serve grades pre-K three and pre-K four. Being um, that Gabby never attended daycare, I felt like this was a great transitional setting to kind of get her acclimated to being in school and used to that structure that comes with school. Um, she now attends um, a KIPP school. I'm also a KIPP teacher, so that's kind of how that came to be. Uh, I will say the campus she attends is the top performing KIPP campus in D.C., so I was really um, happy to send her here. I think this is a great place to uh, further her education. Choosing my children's school was narrowed down for us because we're Seventh-day Adventist, so they're only but so many Seventh-day Adventist schools in this area. Close to your home is taken into account and the commute to work, pick up and drop off was also a big factor. So yeah, so starting with just the fact that parents had to like look up schools, I remember hearing about that a lot when I was teaching as well as when I was growing up, I always heard about like parents trying to I'm trying to think of this what, what test. I think it was star testing. Oh yes, then. it was yeah. star testing. So that was what I love star you. testing. Sorry, I did not love star testing. I really love. Mm-hmm. I, I personally, as an individual, uh-huh. for myself, like taking standardized tests. Oh, okay, yeah. Because it's... I feel like because I always do well, and I feel like it's a game, and I associate testing with snacks and lots of oh. recess. Because I felt like my teachers made accommodations to make sure we have food and make sure we were outside a lot. So I do the same thing with my kids. Super sidebar. You keep going. No, no, no. (laughs) That's good, though, because I'm wondering, I think maybe because they kind of like tried to gamify it for you. Maybe that's the reason why you love Mm -hmm. it and enjoy it so much because it it wasn't fun for me. (laughs) Like even if I did, I did for the most part, I got like proficient because I think it's what? advanced proficiency, whatever the case. I just love the fact that parents look into schools because I do think that there's a lot of research that needs to be done before you just send your child to a school. 
Um, and I think that we even talked about this in season one for without a shadow of a doubt. Like, it's not just something that you just show up and say, okay, like, let's enroll my child in this school, but it's more so it's a research process. It's about you showing up. It's about you doing, making sure that you mm -hmm. pop up visits too. Yeah. Um, and all of that. And I think that that's definitely something that my, my parents definitely were about that would pop up at random times mm -hmm. of the day, would tell me that they were going to work and then just. <laughs> oh, so you didn't do all Actually, <laughs> be there. Or maybe had gotten off early. So I just really enjoyed that type of experience looking back. It's a lot mm -hmm. easier to say that, but in the moment, you're like, what the hell is happening? And it's really great. I'm glad we're having this conversation because, like, our parents envisioned the ideal school for their kids. Yes. Right? Before, before we started the hashtag, okay. the ideal school. Yes. Um, I actually didn't know that my mom researched the test scores because I went to Hoover Elementary School. It was a bunch of, I got bus, I was in a busing program. So I went to school in the more, I don't know if it's affluent or affluent. I say affluent, but anyways, area. So I went, there was a lot of Asian people at our schools mm -hmm. and, um, I mean, we can get away from the stereotypes, but I they performed really, really well. They were all super intelligent, have very involved parents. I'm just like, that's just what I've noticed. Um, so I didn't know that she did that. I thought mm. I was in a school. I think it's interesting. Brittany talked about apple tree, and apple tree really is amazing if you don't yeah. know about apple tree. But we were saying as we were listening, like, the issue is that there's no, there's a disconnect between apple tree and kindergarten. Exactly. Which is why it's, it's like, it's so great that Brittany is a teacher because she can create, she can fill that gap between the two. Yeah. Um, And to Sheba, my girl. <laughs> she did what needs to be done. She did what needs to be done because um, I don't consider myself a super religious person. Mm -hmm. I believe that there is a God, I believe in a higher being. I like to hear about um people's religions or to learn about them but there are some people that are super religious yes. or they would enjoy a religious aspect within school but we don't get to talk about it enough because there's a separation between church and state so yeah. to hear her being like oh we are this religion and we can it narrowed down the schools for us like oh, okay so then you had it's kind of like you had a more narrow you had less of a less of a pool for mm -hmm. your ideal school, mm -hmm. but you value faith so much that it was actually kind of perfect right. that, I mean, it could be seen as perfect. I don't know if Tachiba thinks that, but it could be seen as perfect that there are less schools that you now have to operate with in terms of like research you narrow it down in a, in a more finite way. Yeah, and then you, you spoke about this, just like the continuation from apple tree to kindergarten, like that same type of process happens here in DC from middle school to high school. Like there is a whole high school application process and Weird. I didn't have that, that experience. And so that, and then I think that moreover, like the fact that we were teachers in um, the Lens teaches middle school and I taught elementary school, and so for us to have been in the DC teaching space, but us not know about like the high school application process, I think it just kind of speaks volumes to the barriers and obstacles that DC students face yes. um, when it comes to them applying, quote unquote, for school. And we don't even have statehood. Yeah. It's just crazy. Like, it's crazy, one, because, I mean, we just, we worked in Ward 7, Ward 8 schools. Exactly. Right, period. Secondly, we don't even have, um, voting rights right but our kids have to perform to go to high school and we don't have voting rights hmm. for federal laws hmm. yeah we got somebody standing there talking for us right. but they can't vote for nothing nope Ooh. okay before i get too worked up <laughs> let's go ahead and move on to <laughs> the next question so the next question is just diving into like the positive aspects of the of schools and so we did ask the mothers, what is one aspect of the school that they appreciated the most? And if their child went to multiple schools, they were able to elaborate on all the experiences. It has prepared and developed them both into the young men they are today. The thing I most appreciated um, during my children's schooling was communication from the teacher and the schools. I noticed that when my kids were, um, my daughter did all of her schooling through the Palo Alto School District. Um, towards the end of high school, my son moved to a different school district. And I just noticed that there was a huge difference in the communication um, where I feel like he wasn't as successful um, after he changed schools because the communication just wasn't there. So 
I was not aware that there were as many issues um, because the teachers were not contacting me or um, calling or sending an email. Um, it was just sort of like things were happening and I didn't know about it. One thing I appreciated about Apple Tree was that everyone there was so attuned to the children's needs. Um, she formed some of the best relationships. I knew that when I was dropping her off, she was in the care of people that loved her as much as I did. Um, her teachers came to birthday parties. They even still, Gabby's no longer in their school. They come, they drop gifts off for her, like Christmas, Valentine's Day. Um, I, I knew that... She was loved there, and I loved that. And that kind of extends to her experience here at KIPP. Um, she was starting a new school in a virtual year. And, of course, that was strange for her. You know, she's five, and it was hard to explain why this was happening. And her teachers came to my house, actually. They came to my house, and, you know, they, they understood that this was a big transition for her. And they introduced themselves to her in person, did a lesson with her in person. And that made a huge difference. And, um... At both schools, everyone has just been so loving and caring um, as far as Gabby goes. So I appreciate that so much. Something that I appreciate about my boys being in middle school, two of their teachers are male African-Americans and the other two are female African-Americans. The previous school we used to attend I love the fact that the teachers went above and beyond to make sure that the children got the concept of the lesson that was being taught that day. In comparison to where they are now, they still get the small classroom size. However, I find that the older the children get there's a level of independence that needs to come with the work and it translates to the children that the teacher does not care if they get it or not so oftentimes they don't walk up to the teacher and say I don't understand this and let it go Especially now with virtual learning, they're so ready to get off the computer. As soon as class is over, they shut it off. Um, well, the kids are shutting it off because I'm shutting it off, sis. <laughs> We're actually all exhausted. Yeah. Um, I would like parents, you know, to know if you get anything from this that kids really do be learning in class, like during the time. Um and sometimes, you know, usually we have homework, it's supposed to underscore learning at school, but there's research that shows that kids do not need homework in order to actually master the learning that they're doing at school. I hope that's helpful information. Yeah. But also this Zoom shit is for the birds, bro. Um, it's it really, it's really exhausting. We go till June and we should actually stop in May because there's a such thing as Zoom fatigue. Kids are really getting tired of it and it's not enjoyable. And I honestly don't blame any kids who are like, okay, I'm, I'm pretty much done with this. There's a lot of work we're going to have to do when we get back into the building, but do not be fooled by CNN pushing this idea of learning loss. There's There's been learning loss, and not to say that your kids have not been learning, but because there's been learning loss, there there's already systems in play, honestly, yeah, and systems that we've practiced to try and close the gap. So closing the gap between the learning loss is, might be brand new for parents, it might be brand new for students, but it's not brand new for teachers. Um, so I do hope that that information is is helpful. And the the thing about the independence, I thought that that was a good, good statement, um, good, like, humbling message, because, I mean, when you're in middle school, you're supposed to be a little more independent. And I honestly want, I would like to hear Toshiba's experience about mm -hmm. being from the West Indies, because their schooling is totally different Yeah, from, from my knowledge. It definitely is. So when we talk about independence, there is a level of like productive struggle and you can do some research. We've, I've done research on it um, where there's a certain like level of struggle that students and a certain duration that students should actually have and it'll actually strengthen their foundation in mastering that content. But of course, once you get past it, then they lose motive. 
motivation. Yeah, and, and I think that like Lindsay is the type of educator in the classroom who's extremely self-aware and knows her students to the point to, she's gonna know the students who are not gonna advocate for themselves and may not get it because, may not understand the lesson, but will act as if they do understand the lesson. So like, I, I don't think in any way, shape or form, favorite. are you saying that you wouldn't go and assist that student, but it's more so just like, yeah, no. it, it's about the fact that students are supposed to develop developmentally, like by the seventh, eighth grade, you're supposed to be able to say, they hey, should. I do not understand this question. Or maybe, you, maybe not in the moment, but maybe you say, oh, uh, maybe after the end of class, you circle back and say, "Hey, Miss Miss Black, yeah, that lesson that was a little hard. We're gonna exactly five during lunch or something like that." Because so. when you go to high school, especially here, and you have to apply to the high school, yeah. Like my thing is also out of fear in that you're going to go to a different a different teacher, and that teacher is not always going to be like me, right? I don't know what teacher you're going to get. So you, all I know is that you are the common denominator, and so I have to teach you how to advocate for yourself. And sometimes you do have to get frustrated and think that you can't do it to know, to hit rock bottom, to know that you have to advocate for yourself. Yeah. And I think something else that uh, Miss Richardson said that really just kind of made me light up was the fact that she found an educator that cared for her daughter as much as she did. Yeah. And I think that that's something that I truly take to heart because that's the same type, like that was the energy that I exuded in the classroom. And it, it speaks to like, I know that the, this whole season we've been talking about the ideal school. And a lot of that was based off of just the fact that I was passionate about hearing those kids say things like, oh, Mr. Jihad, you, you act like my father, you act mm -hmm. like this. And that that's it. But And I think that that's what we need more of is those folks who are actually passionate about education to make parents feel like their kids are safe after they drop them off, especially at that pre-K to kindergarten especially transition. Because that is such a such a just like a, a cautious precarious situation to be in for sure i ain't doing no more home visits though <laughs> I, don't, I don't get paid I enough you know, i, I like don't that. get paid enough <laughs> to walk into people's homes yeah and do all that y'all can um y'all can miss me with that i feel you i feel you on that so the next question that they're going to tackle is what's something you wish your child was learning in school or what you hope your child will learn in the future in school and tell us what you would like their ideal school to look like? One thing that I wish um, kids was learning in school was about the actual um, true black history and also about financial independence. One thing that I think that schools really need to teach is financial literacy and just some life skills in general where I feel like uh, there's just sort of a disconnect. I don't know how I learned some of the things that I learned. Um, I feel like I learned it in high school with like how to, um, you know, sort of go about some things during life. And it could be from having a part-time job um, during high school and maybe, maybe that's how I got it, I'm not sure. But I do notice that once my kids were out of high school, they just didn't have the same set of information that I left school with. Um, and I think it's like, you know, basic information, like what is a credit score? Um, those are the things that, you know, even after they get out of college, right? Um, if that's not taught, then how do they get an apartment? Um, so that's stuff that's really important that just sort of gets glossed over. So as far as her grade now, she's in kindergarten and my degree is actually elementary. And one thing that I hate, hate, hate is that we don't teach phonics anymore. I don't know who I need to talk to about that, but that pisses me off. Um, this transition to just sight words and shoving words in kids' faces, we are not preparing them to be strong readers. And my daughter does know phonics and is reading on a second grade reading level because I taught her how to decode words, which we no longer teach children. That's a problem. Um, moving forward <laughs> in her education, I want her to learn financial literacy, of course. That is at the top of my list. Um, I think that is a tool that we need to make sure our children, especially our children of color, um, are well versed in. And lastly, definitely our history. 
the truth, the real history of um, how we came to be here, who we were as a people before we came here, um, and what we've gone through in this country and how we've gotten to be where we are today. I feel like our journey as black people in this country is not portrayed accurately in our curriculums, and I would like to see that change by the time my daughter is further in her K-12 through experience. Something that I wish the boys were learning in school and forgive me because I did not do enough of high school here to know if it actually is being offered. But I know when we were in high school in Jamaica, for four years, you had to take home economics, the girls and even boys if they wanted to enroll. Um, so you would learn how you would learn etiquette. You would learn how to do make us a, a a-line skirt you would learn embroidery you would learn how to cook the boys had um, wood shop where you would learn basic things around your house that you can fix changing the lock on a door um, making a small furniture item like a chair some of those things I don't see them being taught anymore so children when they leave high school, don't know how to run a household. Um, financial literacy is another thing. When I graduated high school, I didn't know anything about credit cards and Chase and other banks came to the school and offered credit cards and I signed up for it and spent the money and didn't realize I had to pay this money back. Um, luckily, <laughs> I'm a fast learner, so I got on the ball and realized that, you know, your credit speaks for you and cash is king, so you have to learn to manage your money. So financial literacy is absolutely something that needs to be um, implemented in curriculums in schools today. I literally, mind you, I told y'all at the beginning that we are listening to this and giving you authentic responses. I literally listened to that. I said, look, if Tashiba says financial literacy, I'm leaving and we at my house. So I was gonna leave my home. But thank God I got a little bit of sense. It's, they all said financial literacy. They did. And, and, and the thing is, is like, we get it. And the reason why, but I, I feel like I want us to like focus on the fact that this is, these are four black women. And the fact that four black women said that financial literacy needs to be spoken into or, or taught in schools, I think is powerful. And I think that that should speak volumes to like where we are as a society, as black Americans in, in regards to like, in our relation to our relationship with money. Like we own, mm. like we have a lot of power in this system mm. that we call capitalism that we don't take advantage of. Yeah. And so I think that although we, we hear kind of the buzzword that we talk about all the time of financial literacy, I think it's true. I think we do, we should, we should be t talking a lot more about it because I was that person who graduated or uh, got to college, was spending all types of money on credit I've cards. I've never been that person. I hear a lot of people like, oh, I, I just, Paid off five thousand dollars of credit card in six well, months. Wasn't that bad? And bad. honestly, I'd be like, no shade to these piece of people I know personally, but I'm like, why did you spend five thousand dollars you didn't have? Yeah, that's that's interesting. Granted, that's and like my mom didn't teach me a lot about financial literacy. I talk mm -hmm. to her about this all the time because she should. But <laughs> I'm just like, I for me, I can't rationalize it in my head. Yeah. Um, we, you know what I really like though? What? My girl Tashiba. Yeah. Feel it. Well, okay, so you know, I've been on this kick about like masculine and feminine energy and like understanding yes. like a feminine role and a masculine role. And I feel like I'm now stepping into like being a more feminine person and it's taking a lot of work. Yeah. Like it's all within me because I am a woman, I am a feminine divine being. But some of the things now, femininity and the way you present it is only going to be true to yourself and it's going to look different. The way I do it is going to be different from the way my mom does it, from the way your mom does it. Absolutely. However, when Tashiva was talking about women learned how to do these things, the girls learned how to do these things, and the men learned how to do these things, I actually was really into that. Mm. Um, I believe, I personally believe in, in certain gender roles. Um, 
I believe that I should know how to do everything because right. in order for me to live, I have to do that. But we really got, we really got niggas that know how to, don't know how to fix shit. <laughs> okay. And we really got, for me personally, it, I, I didn't want to not know how to cook. Like, mm-hmm. I just feel like as a woman who is going to be in a household and taking care of children, because that's what yeah. I'm thinking about. Like, beyond everybody's opinions, I'm talking about my future children. Right. I have to be able to feed them. And I want to be able to feed them. And I want to be able to feed my husband. So for me, it's important for me to learn how to cook. But I'm like, that. damn, that would have been really cool to go to a school that was like, hey, we want to teach you actually how to cook. Like, right. I had a home ec class in middle school. But it was, it's, I like that there's a cultural difference where it's like, hey, we do want to teach you these certain aspects. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I would love my husband to build my home, but they can't yeah. fix the locks. And, and I think that that was, that was very powerful, too, to hear like the actual things that they were learning in those processes or in those classes. Because um, I don't remember. I, I know that there was a wood shop on my high school campus, but I, I was, <laughs> that was why. It wasn't a part of the A3G requirements. So mm. I wasn't going to take uh, mm. that elective if I didn't need to because that wasn't going to look make me look competitive to get into a university. Yeah. So I, I think that we have to, as a society, rearrange some of our values because it's a lot more valuable for me to not use my hands. Yeah. And it is some in, in some capacity than for me to have yes. to spend money to go to school. Fifty thousands of dollars mm-hmm. and end up in the situation I'm in. Still doing good. Let me let me be clear. But I think that that's a sad reality that we face is that it's kind of the, a choice that we have to make as opposed to it just being like experience what you want, like define yeah. your own high school experience and then wherever you want, like the world is still yours. Mm-mm-mm. Just I'm just sit on that one. I think another thing that Miss Richardson said was, of course, the push for Black history. You know, okay. and my mom said it too. Yeah. And I think that, like, that is, it's real because I, there were plenty of times when my parents had to tell me, like, let's sit down, let's have this conversation. And to to have to go through that as a child, that is in, that is extremely impactful, and you you don't realize the true value of it until present day, in which we're you're doing all these marches. And you're tra- tra- you don't even realize the amount of trauma that you've endured because you were learning from, from such a young age of what you could not do. Yeah. And so I think it's powerful that parents of, of my parents, as well as present day parents are saying the same thing, that the curriculum needs to shift and we need to be a lot more intentional about teaching black history in schools. Because black history is American history. Exactly. Who child? Ooh, I like this. Yeah, this, that was good. What's that the next good. question they answered? So the next question is, what is that grading system looking like oh, for your child? Gosh. And did it truly reflect your child's potential? The grading system was not an issue for me. The testing system was. There are a lot of students who uh, tend to not perform or do poorly on taking actually tests. And um, some students just develop like um, the anxiety, they develop brain fogs, they just shut down, can't, just can't do it. And to me, there should be some sort of study or something done on, um, on how they can have supplemental uh, testing or something. I'm not sure what for students who are, um, who just, taking tests is not their their forte because my daughter is in kindergarten she just receives um e's um so an e is like the equivalent to an a and the comments are very generalized um as a teacher i'm like 99.9 percent sure they just copy and paste all the comments and just put her name <laughs> like in a space designated for the child's name so they don't give me much context um as far as how she's going to be honest i just know she's doing well because she has an e i will say that her teachers are very open to communication they do let me know where they see progress where they see room for growth um like over the phone so i will say her teachers give me more of an accurate um depiction of like her progress and her potential verbally than i receive as far as like progress reports or communication like directly from the school i depend on the grading system to find out where my children 
are at, if they make an effort, they make good grades. If they don't make good grades, I know that somewhere along the line, something isn't registering. So if you're not doing your homework and turning into work and your grade drops, then I know that this is what is bringing your grade down. If you are taking the tests and you're not scoring high enough on the tests, then I know that you're not getting the concept. So I depend on the grading system. It doesn't always reflect what my children know. Some people are good at math and some people are better at reading comprehension. It doesn't mean that they are not good students. It's just that one student is better at one subject as opposed to the other student who is better at another subject. Some children are just well-rounded, but I do depend on the grading system to reflect where my child is, but it doesn't always tell what my child potential is. And Lynn's, 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 you mentioned this at the beginning, but we just got to circle back because I think that my mom got to the beginning of it. It's just like, I don't think that standardized, or excuse me, <laughs> that's what I want to get to, is the fact that I do think that grade, grading for me and like my brother from when we were kids, I feel like it did for the most part reflect where we were, but that's the reason why I did not like standardized testing. Mm. Like standardized testing was like a big kind of, this just was like a no-go in my house. Like I think my parents did not, they faked the funk and like pushed us, like made us go to sleep early and did all of that, but it, we still did not get the same results that I felt like I wanted. So I was just like, huh, how can we be doing a better job to get to where the, the desired outcome is of like proficiency and all that good stuff. But I'm also thinking too, like what Toshiba was saying is like how your grades are an accurate representation for the most part of mm-hmm. how, how much effort you're putting yeah. in. And I agree for the most part. I think that, but it, it's for the most part. And I think that this is the reason why it's important for you not only know your kids, but for your you to know the school that your kids are going to, because that's yeah. not always going to be true mm-hmm. um, because some teachers literally fudge grades. Some teachers don't. Yeah, put in the like Brittany was talking about. Exactly, literally. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's important for, you to just have a well-rounded idea of your child, the school, as well as the grading system, because some, and that's another thing. <laughs> I remember that there have been, <laughs> I was gonna call Spade Spade. We used to at a school where report cards did not reflect the true representation of our students. Mm-hmm. And that used to, it used to bother me. And it was crazy to me that people could be running a school system and not have grades that truly reflect their students, but say that we need to be doing what's best for students. So liar, that, liar, pants for high. That killed me. That killed me. But what was your what were your thoughts? Um, so many things. One, Brittany over here was revealing our secrets. Tom probably uh, general <laughs> grades. Hell yeah, just do general grades. <laughs> um, the thing is, I and this is not a place blame on parents. This is just to alert parents that you have so much power and you don't even know it. And Mm. people are, I think school systems keep them in the dark because if parents, we had a group of parents that talked about how general grades are or how, you know, they don't truly reflect what my child is learning. If we had all of them do it. Yeah. We would have changed the grade system. Absolutely. Would have been changed it. Absolutely. Um, But they're going to remain general. It's going to remain like reflecting effort. Like I had a kid, big P. Big T, P, Big P, smart as hell. Big hmm. P gonna be somebody's intra- engineer and entrepreneur, um, but he didn't do homework, and I had to grade homework. And it really was just I didn't even look at the homework. It just you turn it in or not, right? And he didn't do it. So like his grade, he would be a B, but he's a hundred percent student, hmm. um, and he understands the math like that. But it does reflect your effort, even if it's not in like the best light. And then you could have some kids yeah. who like spend hours and hours tutoring, and then they have the same grade as Big P, but Big P know it. Right. And little mama to the left don't really know it, know right. it. Um, yeah, me and Brittany talked about standards-based grading recently hmm. and our mastery-based grading. And you basically evaluate the student's mastery. There's no like cushion effort grades. Like 
there's for me, there's no participation grade. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, I want to know how much you participate, how you participated, but there's no participation grade and there's no homework grade. There's no anything that's like could be fluff. But mm-hmm. the way that they have us doing grades right now, you can't even put a zero in the grade book. It's it's a lot. It's a lot of different things. And that's that's frustrating to me though because I think that that was the reason why we should have been switching to like a mastery standards based type of like model because I think that that we could have come out of the other side of this with some actual data. And I think that right now we're literally pulling things out of the air to say what grade a student actually has. And we're going literally. to literally be starting from scratch. Like students, this year, it's, it's, it's a scrap. Like I don't know why they right. don't believe me when I say it the first time. It literally is. Because we have no, de- there's no data that, and, and yet we're still going to be testing these kids. So that's another issue that we probably could get to. That's a different day. episode. <laughs> so the next question that we got for these lovely women is on a scale from one to 10, and the one is no support at all, and the 10 is super supported. We want them to rate how they felt supported as a parent within their child's school community. And also we just want them to explain a little bit more about that. On a scale from one to 10, with the schools out in the Inland Empire, we was very supported. I would rate um, the Etiwanda School District at uh, maybe an eight. If so, um, when we migrated out to the suburb, meaning the Inland Empire, we was our focus was the educational opportunity that was available to our kids. Um, the actual uh, school district had like special programs. They had after school programs, tutoring, very very good school district, and that was our reason for migrating and transitioning over to the Inland Empire, Edwanda School District. The level of support I received from my children while they were in school was probably a seven. Um, it was a school in an affluent area, um, and I think they probably had they probably had more resources than a lot of schools out there. Um, but they were very good about communicating in different ways, be it um, you know voicemail, um, automated messages, email. Um, you know, grading systems where you could go on go online and see what was going on. Um, in terms of your your child's grades and their progress. So I think um, the support was was pretty decent. If I had to rate the support I feel as a parent um, for my daughter's school on a scale of 1 to 10, I would definitely rate it a 10. Um, And there's a negative to that that I will get to in a second. But I rated a 10 because I feel that her teachers, they always go above and beyond for me. Um, they definitely are very communicative. They always let me know what's going on with her. Um, I feel like we truly are partners in her education. And I love that as a parent. Um, they have also extended so much grace to me during this pandemic, which I'm so appreciative of. Um, and that kind of le- leads me to why I say there's a negative of this 10. Um, I would be remiss if I did not acknowledge the fact that I feel like it's a 10 for me because I am a teacher and I work in this school and I feel like they understand that I know how to advocate for my child's needs in ways that um, other parents may not be as well versed in and um, I feel like everyone doesn't receive a 10 um, in support from their schools and I hate that and I wish that that were the case. I I don't like that my occupation kind of sets me apart from other parents. When it comes to support in my child's school community, the mindset is if you are in a private school and you're paying for it, the administration needs to make time for you. You get a lot more if you are proactive and persistent as opposed to just dropping your child off and picking them up. I am one of those parents that park the car, walk inside, let the teachers see me, have banter with the teachers, let the teachers know that if anybody's acting up, feel free to call me. I will leave work and I will come to the school and straighten out whatever issues that you're having. I think it's a little bit different for some of my friends that have their children in public schools um, where sometimes it's hard to get directly in front of the teacher. And by the time you get a scheduled meeting, 
the situation that you would have wanted to address is a lot, it's simmered down a bit. So for me in a private school, I can just walk in when I want and get an audience. I wanted to address your mommy's comment um, about basically moving to the IE because they have better schools. Uh, and I know that that is the, that's the truth for a lot of parents. Uh-huh. And my friend Justin, he was moving to Atlanta uh, last year. He ain't got no damn kids and he ain't have no kids for some time, but he even looked at school scores when he was trying to decide what neighborhood he was going to live in. Hmm. Um, so that was really interesting to me because look, school scores like imply so much. But then, you know, your mom also talked about how she hates testing. Yeah. But you never would have saw those school scores and determined where to live if we didn't have the testing. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that is not to say that there is not another alternative that we can figure out because right. there is. But we also live into live in the society of like instant gratification, things that be so quick and we lose patience because we yep. want to see change so quickly because we could give you some more robust information. Like Brittany was talking about, you know, I love she was saying that she loves her um her child's teachers because they communicate with her. You yeah. know, she can get all this information verbally. And we can do that. It would just take so much more time and so much more manpower that people don't seem to be willing to put in. But I'm glad that Toshiba's got the right idea. It's my girl. Yeah, it's your girl. She's got the right idea. Yeah. And I wish more parents would do this where it's like you come in, you have banter, you're face to face with the teachers. Yeah. And that's what you do. Absolutely. And I, I agree with that. I was going to say, like, I remember, like, outside of the random pop-ups like my parents formed relationships with my teachers and it was it was a blessing because I think that that helped them understand the gaps that I had when I was growing up and so when we're working on a a science project we're working on a math unit that I'm not really in the know of and mind you we went to school for the most part like there wasn't really like there wasn't like a cell phone type of situation we had a house phone so like oh things gosh, were different. Right. And so like, I think that we also have to acknowledge that it took a lot more effort than I think it could take present day. And so to your point earlier about like needing more folks to be present in schools, I think it's possible. I think that the systems just aren't ready. Like we haven't designed a system that uh, accounts for that. And I don't like, let us, let me be crystal clear. That is not a job of just the teacher. It, it's a community. And so yeah. I think that there needs to be some type of person who's the, there's a position in DCPS right now called the man, the manager of connected schools. But I think that there should be a manager of like community partnerships or something like that. And you're per grade or like something like that. But your job is literally to work with parents to form community. Because I think that we have this perception of what um, what parents' perspectives of the school is, and we'd never reach out to ask, or we don't do enough to, to ask teachers, like, what should, what do you want, like, parents to be doing more of? And there should be somebody's job to But shouldn't the out. admin be doing that? Shouldn't the principal and assistant principal and the three vice principals, shouldn't they be doing that, though? That's fair, too, you know? That's We're, the shit that, that don't make no sense it, to me, it though. It doesn't. And you like, know, we keep coming up with these amazing, innovative ideas we, and paying people, <laughs> paying people in positions, like creating positions for these people and not yeah. giving the money to teachers, but yeah, there is a way to develop relationships with parents that can be... Uh, collective thoughts within the community. When you have staff meetings, no, you don't need to read the damn email that you sent to me because that's what they be doing. Right. They create a memo and they read off the memo on the staff meeting. We could literally spend some time thinking of ideas and then the, the administrative workers can figure it out because administrative workers on the front desk, they already have to do things like that. Right. And they would have the most context on what it means to interact with parents in a way that is like not directly related to academics. I'm just confused. We don't no, use that's that's very there, fair. Right? No, I completely agree. I I think that administration is extremely retro, like it is extremely retroactive. Like they're kind of like, oh, here's the problem, and let's try to fix it. But it's never like let's be proactive on how we're going to form bonds with our parents this year. It's kind of like after the fact. That's their approach, and I think yeah. that's the reason why we're where we are. But I completely agree with you, sis. Like, yeah. Admin, step up. Step up. Step your game up, okay? 
Okay, we cruise into the last question. This is uh, this was nice. I liked being able to just respond authentically. I hope that our okay. listeners also liked it because it was a little more in cut. It really was. And last but not least, you know how we like to always end up our ideal school episodes is with what is one word that will sum up your child's ideal school? Yes. The ideal school, if we was feeling creative, we would name our school the multicultural schooling to replicate America. That would be the name that we would name our ideal school. The ideal school would consist of one that has a lot of communication, um, communication between teachers and administration and um, administration and teachers with parents, um, parent to parent. Um, I think there's just a lot of information that sometimes parents don't get um, just because there could be a lack of communication. Um, and, you know, the school can have all the resources in the world, but if the parent doesn't know about them, then they can't take advantage of them. So I think communication really is key. If I had to sum up my ideal school in one word, that word would be village. Definitely a village because that's what it takes to raise a child. Um, and if I were to name my ideal school, it would be Angela Davis Academy because I want to make sure wherever my daughter attends in this ideal school is blackity black black period. The ideal school for my child would include everything. It sounds a bit unrealistic, but I would want my child's school to have a great football team, a great basketball team, a great hockey team, a great swim team. Um, they would have agriculture. They would have horticulture. They would have great academics where there's hands-on. They would have robotics. They would have art. They would have science. They would have drama. They would take multiple field trips. I haven't seen that school yet. I think what I want is for my children to come out and be great members of society and be accepted for who they are. I don't think only schools can teach that. I think a whole community can teach that. I'm just doing the best that I can to make them successful adults. And, you know, I don't think there could have been an even better setup. I just feel like everyone literally said the same thing in, in, in some way, shape or form. Community. I feel like everybody was talking about some aspect of community from multicultural to making sure that all that uh, students are feeling as if they're being served in the way in which they want to be served and that they can be their true selves mm -hmm. um, and the need for this not to be only on the school, but it needing to be a community effort. And, and yeah. That's so, that part. Cause I yeah. feel like that's what me and you talk about basically yes. like between the village and yes. between communicating and not just communicating. My mom's talking about how recognizing that there are resources, yes. but she don't know about them. And I'm like, that is like a group effort with like parents asking about things, inquiring, and then teachers telling things. So what I would like people to know is that teachers, we, for, let me, I can speak from my experience. I am oftentimes under the impression that parents know certain things or they've been informed by people who yeah. informed me. Right, right. Like admin will tell me about a program or a meeting, right? Mm -hmm. um, uh, and then my front desk lady will tell me about it. And my assumption is that if y'all not teaching the kids, <laughs> right, you're telling the parents about it. But honestly, I can say that there's been times where I really did not know that parents didn't know because it's not a whole, it doesn't feel like an equal effort, um, equal spread of the communicate, communicative task um, within the school, the actual school building. I completely agree. And I do think, and, and so like to go back to your point that you mentioned earlier, I think it's extremely important that administrators step up and figure out systems that work for them to get the information to the parents. Like that is your job. That literally is your job. Your job is not to be retroactive in the sense of waiting for a parent to come to you to complain about something. All right, now I'm done with my rant. Okay, great. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> no, this was a very touching episode. Um, just even like recording it. I, I love that we chose to just respond authentically. I, I'm super grateful for the beautiful Black women that we chose to highlight. I hope that y'all have a wonderful, wonderful Mother's Day. And we really are greatly appreciative of your take on the ideal school. I know I can say for me, I feel like I speak for Jihad too, but Please. this is very eye-opening. Absolutely. Um, and I think as we continue to be on this podcast journey, like my eyes have just opened more and more and I feel like it makes me a better educator. And so thank you, moms. Look at y'all being mothers to all of us, even though you may not be our mom. Okay. We love y'all. Happy Mother's Day and happy Mother's Day to the four of you, as well as to all of the mothers um, here and around the world. Our call to action for this episode is for you to make a donation to District Motherhood. This phenomenal DC-based nonprofit org was founded by a local mom group of millennial moms who were seeking a space that resembled themselves. So they created one. In honor of Mother's Day, go to our link tree and make a donation to this amazing DC-based nonprofit organization. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at the Reformance Pipeline. Share our posts, y'all. I'll be spending a lot of time putting them together. Um, so it'd be nice if you just acknowledge that they were there. The content is thorough, too. So repost, share with specific people you think will be interested. Check out the website as well at thereformancepipeline.com. And if you have any feedback, and we really, truly mean this, if you have any feedback, positive thoughts, or desire to be featured on our show, please visit our website to provide that information or email us at thereformancepipeline at gmail.com. And with that... Dear, beautiful people, our advocates, we are truly grateful for your support. We look forward to continuing the discussion about our ideal school. Thanks for listening. Peace, love, and light. Hootie hoo.